Uh, just want to say that um, just thanks to the worship team for leading us through that. And um, it's good to know that God's in control. Amen? That he's got it? Yeah, absolutely. Praise God. You bet. Um, and uh, just want to say I'm, I'm proud of all of you for the way that we, we walked through that together. Whenever we go through something difficult uh, or a conflict or a difficulty in life, uh, we can either kind of let it derail us from who we're called to be and what's going on, or we can grow stronger through that. And I believe that God is uh, making it loud and clear uh, this morning that we never know what life is going to throw our way, and we're called to be ready. And whether that was those of you that, that jumped up and helped, um, and those of us just general that think about our lives and we think about how we spend our days and how we spend our weeks and how we spend our years uh, it's important. It's important. The time that we have on this earth is so important. And so my prayer for us this morning is, is just as Tiffany prayed, that we would focus, that we would ask God what it is that he wants to teach us uh, this morning, uh, and that he, we would know uh, that he's got uh, the situation under control. Uh, I know Wayne. He's a good guy. He's got a huge heart for the Lord uh, and uh, excited about what God is doing in his life. So we know that the doc, God works through doctors and that they will take care of him. And so we will continue uh, to pray for him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, if there's uh, any kids that haven't headed up to KQ, you can head on up uh, there, pre-K through grades five. But it looks like most of them got out there. So we're good. Awesome. You may notice this morning, I'm just going to be honest right now and say it's a little bit weird to talk about the topic that I'm going to talk about after this. We're going to talk about money today. Is anybody excited about that? <laughs> there's, there's no easy way to transition that, so I'm just going to say it. Um, but God's in control. God's good. So you may notice that we kind of did things a little bit different. Some of you are saying, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to have an offering somewhere in there? Uh, yes, normally we do. And we pass baskets and that's kind of how we do our service. And I know, I just know that some of you are sitting there right now thinking, no, John, the offering is my favorite part of the service. That's why I come to church every single week is just that, that pure joy and exhilaration of passing the plate to the next person down the aisle. Don't take my joy away from me. Okay, I'm kidding. Maybe that's not uh, what it is for all of you. But the reality is, uh, for a lot of people, one of the main reasons that people dislike the church, not this church, but the church in general, many people have left churches because it seems like all they ever do is talk about money, right? Money, money, money. Give us your money. I was going to walk up here to if I had a million dollars today, but we couldn't quite get that, uh, that, that queued up. But uh, in fact, uh, it's, it's just a topic that, I'll be honest, I don't really like to talk about that often, uh, but as we'll learn later on, it's important. In fact, I was talking with some people uh, earlier this week, and I know we have uh, some of you that are new here today. We don't always have this much excitement. Uh, well, we have excitement, just not that kind of excitement. But I was talking to some people earlier this week, and they've, ne they've never been to Hope Des Moines before, uh, and they said, John, you know, we've been praying about it, and God's been working on our hearts. This is the week that we're going to come <laughs> to Hope Des Moines. And obviously, I didn't know any of this, but I did know I was going to be talking about money. So I was like, you know, I don't know if the Lord's calling you to come to Hope Des Moines this week. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I've heard some strange things about the preacher. He's not very good. And I, uh, because I knew what I was going to be talking about today, and it's not the most exciting thing for me to talk about. And just to be clear, we do love it that every single one of you are here. I'm glad that you're here today. As we always say, we believe it's no 
accident. But my question is this morning pertaining to this offering bit, pertaining to our money, pertaining to our possessions, what if it was the most exciting part of the service? Just imagine with me for a second. What would it take for you to look forward to the offering? Not just here in worship, but in general, in giving in your life. If you think about money and your possessions, what if giving to God brought you the same amount of joy and freedom that you experienced, let's say, like during your favorite worship song? You know, when you're just in that moment and you're just like, wow, you know, and you're clapping your hands or whatever that most joy-filled moment that you've had in the last couple weeks. What if that's the same thing you felt giving your money away? Just imagine with me for a second. So that would be my dream. I have lots of dreams for us as a church, and that's one of them. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. My dream is that when uh, normally Kim would be up here and she would say, okay, it's that part of the service, now it's time for the offering, I pray that we would just go crazy as a church because of the joy there is of giving back to God, that we would just go crazy, that people would be jumping and screaming and dancing and clapping their hands. Should we try it? Let's just do kind of a trial run, okay? So let's say it was a normal service, there's nothing going on, and let's say I just walked up here and I said, all right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time for the offering. I don't believe you. You don't even believe yourself. I'll try it again. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. It's now time for the offering. For some of you, are like, that's not what I feel at all. That's not, that's not authentic, uh, whatever. And even if it wasn't genuine, I pray that by the end of today, at least we would be a little bit closer to that. I pray that, that we would start to move in that direction. And the thing is, that can only happen. We can only experience that much joy if we loosen our grip. So I was thinking about that this week, and uh, <laughs> some of you are like, uh, what's going on? No, it's, it's, not, it's not what you think. Uh, growing up, I loved to play t-ball, okay? So uh, just clearing out what this illustration is about. Uh, I love to play t-ball. I, I like sports a little bit, uh, in case you don't know that. But growing up, I played all sorts of sports, uh, and I played t-ball. And so I would practice and practice, and pr- I'd practice at the t-ball the field, and I would practice at home. And, 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 and you know, t-ball's not too complicated. There's a stand. You put the ball on the stand, and then I was about two feet, two inches high, and you swing the bat and try to hit the ball off the stand. It's not moving. Pretty simple, right? And so when I would practice wherever that was with my brother and my dad, I was amazing. I was hitting home runs and getting on base. It was awesome. Some of you are worried about sitting in the front row. Um, And it was amazing. But for some reason, when I got into the game, you know, when I had my old uniform on and everybody was watching everything, I just melted under the pressure. And for some reason, I couldn't figure out, I would just strike out all the time. Or I'd just hit a little dribbler like that, and I'd ground out, and I'd always get out. I'd never get on base. And I'm like, what's the deal here? Like, I was really upset about this. I practice all the time, but nothing's happening. Until my coach talked to me one time, and he came over to me after a really bad game. I like struck out five times in a row. He's like, John, let's talk about this. What's going on? Because I know that you practice. He said, show me how you stand. Show show me how you do, just as if you were hitting in a game. And I said, okay, well, I kind of go like this, and I, you know, this is my little stance, and I I was showing him what I do. And I I was just getting really focused, and he came up to me, and he just touched my hand like this, and he said, John, why are your knuckles white? (laughs) And I said, why? 
I'm hanging on to the bat. And he's like, are you afraid it's going to go somewhere? And I'm like, actually, yeah, I am. And I think that's why I'm gripping it so tight because I'm worried that if I swing like this, I'm going to let the bat go and the bat's going to go farther than my hit. That was the thing that I was worried about. And he goes, John, I think we just discovered your issue. You are gripping that bat way too tight because you are deathly afraid that you're going to let go. In baseball, you got to loosen your grip so that it relaxes your entire body and you'll be able to hit the ball. And lo and behold, the next couple games of the season, I loosen my grip. And then my third grade t-ball career just took off from there. (laughs) That's my fallback career. The answer was in loosening my grip, it changed everything. And I wonder for you today, how's your grip? Everybody take your hand like this really quick. I can't give you a baseball bat, but just clench your fist as tight as you can. How does that feel? If you were to do that, let's say, for the next half an hour. Anybody want to try it? It doesn't feel good, does it? Do you feel your arm tensing up? You feel kind of your body, your shoulder tensing up a little bit? Okay, now let it go and just go like that. Doesn't that feel better? I wonder if T-ball has something to say about how we view our money and our possessions. How tightly are you holding on to things today? Those things in your life that you would call my or mine. Are you, like me in my T-ball game, are you afraid of what might happen if you let go? If you loosen up a little bit? When it comes to your money and your possessions, are you living like this? Are you living like that? Because what if just like my coach, God is saying to us today, you got to loosen your grip and it'll change everything. And that's what I want to discover today. So how do we get there? Let's start in the book of James. James chapter one. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of James. And those folks down here, if you got some extras, you can pass them on down since I know we we forced you to like each other today and sit next to each other. So grab a Bible. I'd love to have everybody have a Bible out today. That would be awesome. James chapter 1. It's in the New Testament towards the very end of the Bible. James, the brother of Jesus here, is writing to the early church. James chapter 1, verse 17. That's where we're going to start today. So where do we start? How do we start to loosen our grip and experience what God wants for us? James chapter 1, verse 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. Verse 17. Every good, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Isn't that great that God never changes? There's a few things in our lives that change. So what does James tell us? First, this is far beyond just money. Does James say all money is from God above? He doesn't say that. What does he say? Every good and perfect gift is from above. And I'm sure that we can all think of things today that we are thankful for beyond just the dollar bills in our wallet or what's in our credit card account today, right? Can you all think of things that you're thankful for? So maybe we need to reframe our thinking. On your chair today, there was a card and it actually looks like this. I told you it was handout day today. Go ahead and take that out or pull that off your chair if you've got that. And we're going to look at that. What if we reframed our thinking that this wasn't just a sermon about money, 
but it was about everything that God has given us. On that card, if you don't have one, just grab one of the chair next to you. There should be some extras. On that card, you read my time, talent, and treasure. Everybody say time. Say talent, treasure. And it was all created for God's glory. What if we reframe this entire conversation that is maybe not just, am I rich, am I not rich in terms of money, but what has God given to me? My time, how we use our days, our weeks, our months, our talents, our abilities, the skills that God has given you, and our treasure. It could be money, could be material possessions, whatever you have. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And secondly, if we're going to understand what God has to say about all these gifts, it, it, it begins with understanding that asking the question, whose they are? And it's the Sunday school answer. Whose are they? They're God's, right? They're not ours. Everything that we have is not ours. It's our father's. Everything that we see, touch, hear, smell, it's all his. And you say, that sounds great, John, but when we start to apply it, it gets a little bit more difficult. A few of us get together and, and plan creative things for our services as if we need more excitement. Uh, but uh, we get together once in a while and we, we come up with creative ideas. And I told him, I have this idea for a sermon where I'm going to talk about everything that we have is God's. And somebody on our creative team goes, okay, we just shooting out ideas. There's no, no dumb ideas. Nope, no dumb ideas. Okay, so they throw out this idea. What if we gave everybody in the congregation a pad of sticky notes? You know, on the sticky pad. And what if we told them to go around their entire house and put sticky notes on every single thing that they own? Okay? It might look something like that. Right? Those are white. These are yellow. But on that sticky note are the words, not mine. Not mine. My house. My car. My pets, my Keurig coffee maker, not mine, right? My checkbook, my credit cards, everything in my safe, anything that's of value to you, my family members, not mine. Wouldn't that be funny? And, and so this person said, what if we put sticky notes on everything in people's houses? And we all kind of giggled a little bit, and then I go what if we did? What would that be like, right? Sometimes the craziest idea. So we can't uh, do that today, but we do have these cards. So pull those cards out uh, one more time, and we're going to try to get to the same, the same idea here. So uh, look at that really quick. And so what I want you to do is for the rest of the message, I want you to flip that over and where it's just blank on the back, if you need a pen, uh, I think the baskets are over there. Pastels back down if you need a pen. Grab a pen out of there. And what I want you to do is draw a line straight down the middle of that card. Straight down the middle of those lines. And on the left-hand side, I want you to start making a list of everything that you would say is mine. Okay? Could be material possessions. So think of time, talent, treasure. You could put... 24 hours, because that's how much all of us have in the day. You could put, I have a skill at woodworking. I have a skill at playing sports. I have a skill at cooking. Whatever it is. Talent, treasure. You could put down my wallet, my checkbook, my credit card account. Possessions that you have in your home. So don't just think money. Think time, talent, 
treasure. You can get as specific or stay as broad as you want. If you run out of room, you run out of room. Hopefully this can be an activity that you keep doing over and over and over. So I'm not going to tell you what to write, but just for the rest of the sermon, you can multitask, listen, and just keep making that list. So that's what I'd like you to do. Time, talent, treasure. The reality is that loosening our grip on these things is a lot easier said than done. Nothing could be more counter-cultural. You've seen one of these before, right? Do you know what's written on the back? Four words. What are they? In God we trust. Do we? Jesus knows how easy it is for us to just look at the front and not look at the back. In God we trust. In fact, nothing could be more countercultural than to say, it's not mine. Right? Everything that our, that our culture every single day throws at us is that about money and possessions. Now listen to this. It's get all you can, can all you get, and sit on that can. Let me say it again. Some of you are going uh, to get it this time. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on that can. Right? That's the message that the world throws out. That's where security comes from, by tightening your grip, by getting as much as you can. And these are pieces of paper, and yet if we're not careful, we will worship them. And some of you are thinking, John, that's not my problem, but maybe if you think about it a different way, it can be so enticing, not just it, the money itself, but what it can get us. A certain image popularity, clothes, I want a certain kind of job, whatever those things are, none of those are inherently bad, but God knows how enticing it can be. He knows it's not really about money, it's about our hearts. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to go next. Matthew chapter 6. So about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew six nineteen. I'm just going to read it for us. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of moth and vermin. Where thieves do not break in and steal. And then let's read this last part, verse 21, up uh, on the screen together. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. You probably heard that before. In other words, when the, when's the last time that you saw a U-Haul attached to a hearse in a funeral possession? Jesus is saying you can't take it with you. So why do we need to talk about money and possessions as a church? Because for Jesus, it was a big deal. It might surprise you in the entire Bible. Let's think of a a topic that you would think is really, really important. Let's say prayer, okay? Prayer is pretty important, right? Jesus probably talked about prayer a lot. The Bible probably talks about prayer a lot. The Bible talks about prayer 371 times. That's a lot, isn't it? How about... um, even bigger than that. How about love? Do you think love is a pretty big deal for God's story? Bible? How many times do you think love is mentioned in the Bible? 714. Okay? Almost double the amount of prayer. Right? Love's pretty important. How about money? 8, 12, 
14, I'm getting, I'm getting higher. Would you believe 2,162? Some of you just... That's what happened to me when I read that too. Jesus knows it's easy to be possessed by our possessions. 2,162, I'm warning you. Be careful. Be very, very careful. That's why in 1 Timothy 6, Paul writes this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now notice what Jesus says. He does not say that money itself is bad. If that's what you take away from today, you miss the entire message, okay? Money is a really, really good thing, and we're going to learn about that a little bit later on, how it's a blessing. God gives that to you so you can be a blessing to other people. It's not money that's bad. It is the love of money, what it can get me fashion, possessions, anything to give me that image? Am I more concerned about what that dollar bill can get me than what the one who made me says about me? It's that obsession. It's that tightening your grip. Are you living like this or are you living like this? And when we hoard, when we possess, when we keep everything to ourselves, when money becomes our chief love in life, Somewhere along the line, we lose our joy. And this reality came to life right in front of me about a week or so ago. There's a daycare uh, chock full of kids out at our West Des Moines campus. And I was walking by the room, as I do every week, onto a a meeting that I was going to. And I just happened to look in. And there was a little boy um, there sitting with uh, uh, two rubber red balls underneath both of his pits. And he's like, these are mine. And he was really protecting them. Well, the thing was, he had three other balls. Uh, One was like um, in his pit right here. And the other two were like, what do you call the pits of your knees? Is there a name for those? I I don't know. But they were stuck. They were wedged up in his knees. And he was curled up like a little ball. But because he was so small and wasn't so coordinated, once in a while, a ball would squirt out. And as soon as one of those balls that he thought were all his would squirt out, he'd scramble and pick it back up and possess it. Well, the other kids thought that this would be a fun little game. He didn't think so. But whenever a ball would squirt out, one of the kids would try to run up and grab it because they saw him squirting out once in a while. And every time one of the other little boys and girls would get close, he would go, roar! And then the kids would run back, right? And then they'd do it all over again like kids do, right? Ball would squirt out, roar! And then they'd all run back, right? And I watched this for a while. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. And then I watched it a little bit while longer. I'm like, he's not having any fun. There's no joy in that room. They're having playtime. They're kids. And they're not having any fun. Something is wrong with this. And the thing was, the balls weren't even his. But for about five minutes, that's a long time for kids, right? About five minutes this went on. And he just couldn't share. He had to keep them to himself. The, the world says, get, protect, hoard. And Jesus says, when you let go of money and possessions, they let go of you. When you loosen your grip, money and possessions loosen the grip that they have on you in controlling your life and your decisions. Because what can't you do living like this? Figuratively, you can't receive. 
And Jesus says, I want to give you so much freedom and I want to give you so much joy, but I can't give it to you if you're not in a posture of receiving the the freedom and the joy that comes when we give it away. Nobody knows that better than Seth Collins. He's a 29-year-old from Lexington, Kentucky. And in 2012, just a couple years ago, um, his older brother Aaron unexpectedly died at the age of 30. And it was really strange. A couple weeks before he died, they were having a conversation about what he would want to have done with all his stuff, with all his money and possessions. And the instructions that he left his family were this, leave awesome tips. That's what he said. That's what Aaron said before he passed away. Leave awesome tips. Well, his younger brother, Seth, took that to heart. And so soon after that, Seth hit the road to start visiting local restaurants. And his goal is to hit all 50 states, leaving outrageous tips. And so he's been traveling all over the country. And recently, he landed here in Des Moines at Fong's Pizza. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And so all he does is just order like a small chicken pizza. I don't even know what that is. Seven, eight dollars, something like that. And just as the waitress was about to take his payment, something unexpected happens. Let's take a look at that. Some of you are feeling horribly guilty about some tips that you've left recently, I think. If you didn't catch it, he left her a $500 tip for an $8 pizza. In the newspaper article, uh, Seth, the guy that, that gave the tip, is quoted as saying, whenever he leaves an outrageous tip like this, He's usually bathed in a couple hours of afterglow with joy. When's the last time you were bathed in joy because of something you gave away? Not what you got, not how much you can get, how much you've given. Contrast that with the little boy in the daycare. Rawr. Who's having more joy? the one who gave or the one who hoards. Now, you might be saying, John, that is great for him, but I would love to walk around and give $500 tips, but I can't afford that, to which Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. It's not how much is on the check. Jesus says, I'm not as concerned with how much is in your wallet. I'm concerned with what's going on in here, right? Because you could leave a dollar tip and be grumpy, right? Or you could leave a $1,000 tip and be grumpy, or you could leave a dollar tip with joy. Which one do you think Jesus wants you to give? What's going on in your heart? That's what I'm concerned about. He says, there is a re- that's the reason that there's people that are living generously in the slums who have more joy than businessmen that are making six figures. Explain that to me. So how do we find the joy? By giving. That's the application. If you have issues with this, I'd like to say there's an app for that. There's an application for that, and it's called Giving. Really, John? It's just that simple? Yes, it's just that simple. Give. Now, there's some things to that, and so let's unpack that a little bit. I love how Paul puts it in Scripture uh, in our verse that, that was read for us today. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to turn there, you can. Second Corinthians chapter 9, and we skip down to verse 7. It said this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful Giver. Now, it's important to know that in that verse, the word cheerful, this is awesome, by the way. This is why I love the Greek language, which this part of the Bible is written in, right? The Greek word there for cheerful is hilarion, which actually translates to hilarious. 
God loves a hilarious giver. So it turns out we can actually get really excited and laugh about the offering, right? Because we're commanded to. And so when the offering baskets are passed down each week, we can give in a hilarious way, in a generous way, in a way that brings us joy, in a way that doesn't make sense to the world. We're just saying, God, I want to give back to you what's already yours. Ha! Here's some of my money. It's hilarious. Because in the eyes of the world, it doesn't make sense that we actually find joy by giving away more than we try to get. It's hilarious. It's not mine anyway. It never was. And so with that in mind, let's just take a couple moments and talk about everybody's favorite church, everybody's favorite topic in the entire church, tithing. Is anybody excited about tithing? Three of you. Great. Okay. So let's talk about it, right? I'll be honest. I'd rather avoid it. I'd rather not talk about it. It's just easier that way. But over these last couple of weeks, I also heard God say, John, are you going to be a church that follows me? Are you going to be a church that, that takes seriously this call to discipleship? Because you're always talking about making disciples, right? And you know what God, I felt like God told me this week? So why are you stealing people's joy? I don't want to talk about money. I wonder what people will think. I'm robbing you of joy. We don't talk about it if I don't encourage you to do that. It's a discipleship issue. It's something that Jesus calls us to do. If we're calling each other to be disciples, that's a call to put everything in our lives, including our money and possessions, under the lordship of Jesus. Now, before you check out on this stuff, remember, time, talent, treasure. I'm not just talking about money here. So what, what is this tithe all about? There's a word for this in Scripture called tithing, and it's this biblical model of giving the first 10% of our income to God. In Genesis, we read, and this is up on the screen, you can look at these verses, then Abram, uh, who we know is Abraham, gave him a tenth of everything. So Abraham starts doing this right away. Go ahead and go to the next slide. In Leviticus, we read that a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Holy, meaning set apart. We set it apart. It's God's. It's his. And I'll admit, when I first started out thinking about this in adulthood of, of giving a whole 10%, like I don't even get to touch it, giving a whole 10% to God, it was a bit confusing. Because I would read in scripture, there's actually a verse in Psalms that says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's figuratively mean God owns everything. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And so I thought, why does this big time rancher need my minimum wage? right? Why would he care about what I give? And it just seemed irresponsible and it seemed risky. And for some of you, that's the biggest thing getting in the way of experiencing that joy is fear. What happens if I do that? It's fear. But then as I started to dig into God's word, I realized that everything is God's to begin with. He began to shift my heart because I used to think it's all mine and I'm giving God that little 10% piece of the puzzle. But then God started to shift my heart. And what if we looked at it and says, no, it's all God's. And he's actually letting us use 90% of it. Doesn't that change our thinking? What an incredible God we have that would trust us with his stuff. If your parents that he would trust you with his kids. Isn't that crazy? Okay, so John, why tithe? I want to give you three quick reasons. If you want to write these down, uh, you can. Why tithe? A lot of reasons. Number one, it's a gift to us. 
Every time that we set aside that first of what we earn for God, we are set free from it letting it get its hooks in us. We're set free from letting it possess us. So it's a gift for us, really. It's good for us. Number two, tithing is for God. It's a declaration of our gratitude and thankfulness. In that sense, it's like worship. Because when we worship, we say, God, you are amazing, and you are worthy of our worship because of who you are. But when we tithe, when we give our offerings, when you put that money in the basket, you're saying, God, I am so thankful for what you've given me, and it brings me joy to do this. I'm, I'm honored that you'd let me use any part of it. So thank you. Here's what's yours anyway. Bring the whole tithe, we read. Number three, it's a gift to the church. Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God says he's passionate about this because in a healthy family like the church, everyone contributes something, right? In an unhealthy family, there's a few people doing all the work for the rest of them, okay? That's like an orphanage. A few people do everything for the rest. In a healthy family, everybody contributes, And so if you've ever wondered that, I'll just be honest. Everything that you give here at Hope Des Moines goes towards Hope Des Moines. Everything that you give at another campus stays at that campus. We are one church, but we have independent independent little pots. And so you can give to the general fund. You can give here on Sundays. You can give online. I hope that you do that. Um, You can give to the general fund. There's a future facility fund, which you're going to be hearing much more about in the next couple weeks as we're thinking about moving into a permanent building. And we want you to know that we take your gifts seriously, so serious that we're absolutely transparent, that our books are completely open. Next week, there's going to be a budget hearing down the cafeteria between services, and we just flop open our our financials for you. And you can ask as many questions as you want. We're 100% transparent. And contrary to popular belief, the church is not a for-profit organization. Amen? The church is a not-for-profit organization, and any money that we have, we don't want to turn around and we want to give it away. Lutheran Church of Hope's goal is to be a 50-50 church, and what we mean by that is for every dollar that's given, half of it goes to the ministries of the church and half of it goes right back out. That's kind of hilarious giving too, isn't it? 50% tithe. Scripture says 10 minimum, and we just feel like God's calling us, hey, let's give it away. It's his anyway. So 50-50 church, half in, half out. So tithing is for us, it's for God, it's for the church. But notice what's not on that list of reasons to tithe. Guilt. Pressure. Back to 2 Corinthians 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver, the kind that fills you with joy. Okay, John, this is great and all, but you know what? I'm not really in a situation today where I can give 10%. That's scary, right? And maybe you're not. You might say, I've got debt, I've got bills to pay, I've got to provide for my family. John, if there, was a, if there was a theme song for my life, it would be if I had a million dollars, right? Sing it with me now. If I had a million, so you know what that's about. You're saying that's the theme song to my life. Then everything would be better. If I had a million dollars, then I'd tithe, Right? So my advice would be this. If you don't feel like you're at that place right now, I'd say two things. Number one, ask God if there's an area of your life that needs to be simplified. 
needs to be sacrificed? Do I need to carve something out? Is there something that I'm hoarding that I'm holding on to that I need to let go of to carve out space so that I can give that tithe? And secondly, ease into it. If you can't do 10, do three. And then the next month, do five. And then the next month, do seven. And work your way up. And the same is true on the reverse of that. Last year, now last year, many years ago, I had a guy come up to me, a wealthy businessman. I knew that he was wealthy at a church. And he comes up to me and says, John, I need to give a lot more than 10. God has blessed me with so much. I need to give 30. And I go, I think you should, right? That's what I told him, right? Because it works on either way. If you're over here on this side of 10%, work up to it and ask God for help. And if you're on this side of it, don't steal your own joy. Give 30, give 40. If God has blessed you with that, money's not a bad thing. Give it away and you're going to give that much more joy. So God loves a cheerful giver, not pressure or guilt. For some of us, if that's how God's blessed you, then do it. Some of you are still thinking, John, I've hardly got anything. You know, this isn't for me. This entire sermon is just bridge under the water. It's a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn with there, and this is where we'll land today. 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is going to throw us for a loop today in a good way. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I'll read it for us. It says this. Command those who are rich. Stay with me. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Now, I know when I read that first line, some of you are like, brain checked off. I'm not rich. And I did the same thing. When I first read that verse, I'm like, oh, whew, good. None of, this, none of this pertains to me. But I got to thinking, how do you know if you're rich or not? Like, what would you use to evaluate that? You don't have to, but if I said, raise your hands, how many of you would say that you're rich? Probably not very many of us, right? And here's why. Which direction do we look when we're comparing our finances to other people? Which direction do we normally look? We look up, right? When we compare, we always look up, right? We look at somebody like Johnny Depp, I heard, just bought his own tropical island. Okay? And you're like, ugh, right? Careful. We always look up, right? And we're saying, I'm not rich compared to him. We look up that ladder. Are we rich? Just for a moment, let's look down the ladder as an evaluation standpoint. Let's look at the, you know, there's 6 billion, about 6 billion people in the world, right? So let's look at the 1.6 billion people who have no access to electricity. Let's look at the 1 billion people who have no access to clean drinking water. I don't know if you own a car and it runs, it moves. If you have a car and it moves, it could be a clunker, right? You're better off than 92% of the world. I don't care what shape it's in. Let's look at the 1 billion people in the world that live on less than $1 a day. Let's look at the 2 billion people. A third of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. 
So for honesty's sake today, can we all just agree we're rich? Yeah, we're blessed. So maybe this teaching right here is for us. Command those who are rich in this world. That's all of us. And what does Paul tell us to do? The very next verse, verse 18. Paul says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous. At the end of today, if you walk away thinking this is all just about how much money I have, you're missing out. Because what if everything that we just learned about tithing can be applied to everything on that list you've been making? How's your list, by the way? Go ahead and pull that out again. As you look at that list, what if you ask the question, how do I start to tithe my time, my talents, my treasure? How do I give the first fruits? How do I give my best time to God? How do I give my best possessions back to God? How does he want to use everything that I have for his glory? And here's where I want to end today. I believe that God is not asking you today, how much do you have? I believe he's asking you, what do you have? What do you have? It's the stay-at-home mom I know who realized that God didn't give her a house to hide in during the day, but to, act, to invite other stay-at-home moms and their kids over to develop a relationship with them. It's the carpenter I know recently that realized his skills can bless families in need of repair projects that they can't afford on their own, tithed. It's the businessman who looked me in the eyes a few months ago and said, even at the level that I've reached, I have never had more joy than when I give to God's kingdom. Because at the end of the day, God's kingdom's going to last, mine's going to crumble. And speaking of Craig up here today and our other mentors, it's the mentor that told me last year before this whole thing started, I don't know, maybe I can squeeze a half an hour to mentor some kid into my schedule. And a couple months into it, he says, I never have enough time. I wish I could stay here all day because of the joy that it brings me. And so maybe it's simply praying the prayer, God, how do you want to use me to accomplish your will for this church? Keep that card out because you're going to use that in a second. My time, my talents, my treasure. And so what I want you to do for just a few moments, I just want you to look at your list. The band's just going to play a little bit, and I just want you to look at that list. And I want you to pick a couple things off and write them on the front. Something to do with your time, something to do with your talent or a gift that God's given you. And if your treasure is money, then we're going to have our offering in a little bit. But it might not be. It might be God's given me the treasure of my car to be used for this. God's given me my house to be used for this. On the left side, everything that God's given you. On the right side, how might God want to use that for his glory? Just take a couple minutes and look at your list and ask, God, how do you want me to use everything on that list for you? Just take some time, be fully present, and ask God.